good morning, everybody. Glad that you're here today. Um, Laura kind of mentioned it, and that song reminded me very powerfully uh, that what I know and what I, how I live sometimes lines up and sometimes doesn't. And um, as, I, as we prayed this morning in our circle, there's a whole bunch of people that pray in the, in the morning right here around where I'm standing, where some of you are sitting. And uh, we talked about how literally most things that could have gone wrong this week and this morning for what we thought we should be doing has gone wrong. And, um, and when that happens, this is going to come across very strange, but when that happens, I kind of get excited. And the reason I get excited is because I know that Satan wants nothing to do with what we're going to do. And so when he's going after us like he is, and he has been this and how hard it's been, I know that today he's going to do something that we're not And so uh, I hope that you're ready. I don't usually start off this way, although you guys know if you've been in touch with sometimes it happens. Um, but I am excited. We have a great day. And, uh, and of course, it's Baptism Sunday. If you haven't noticed, we don't usually have a dunk tank in our sanctuary. Um, and so we're going to have a great day. We're going to do that at the end of the service today for first service. And we're going to baptize some more people at the end of second service. It's going to be awesome. Um, but for those of you who are here for the first time, we want you to know this is a safe place for you. We actually don't say this just on Baptism Sunday. We say this every single week because it's true that this is a safe place for you to dig in and ask the honest, real, hard questions about who God is and about who Jesus is, and that the fact is that Jesus is enough. We believe what we just sang here at Northridge. We believe that completely. But we also know that not everybody's there yet, and that's okay too. And so even if you are here and you'd say, I'm not even sure if I believe in God, this is still a safe place for you. We're glad that you're here, and we welcome your questions. Seriously, we do. And we hope that everyone will come to an understanding that Jesus truly is enough and that he needs to be the center of our life. Well, um, I brought something here today really exciting. Uh, most of you would see what this is. We actually, Laura and I just bought these uh, the, a couple of months ago for our camping trip when we went out to Yellowstone National Park to camp in the mountains. And uh, this is simply a salt shaker, right? And we just needed one of those that closes better, you know, because we have the normal ones that you sit in your cabinet. But uh, if you put that in a camper and you get there after 18 hours, you're going to have salt everywhere, right? And so we got these that close in the top. But this is a salt shaker, and salt is very interesting. It has a very interesting history. Did you know that salt in the past, and even today still, but even more in the past, in ancient history, salt was extremely valuable, really valuable because this is before refrigeration and so they would use salt to preserve their food this is how they actually kept food safe until they could eat it think about it they didn't have any way to keep anything cold or you know uh refrigerators or coolers or anything that they had to use ice and they did that but that's gonna not last that long obviously and so they would use salt to preserve the food as long as they could battles whole battles in wars in the world, in past history, have been fought over salt. Maybe you didn't know that, but it has. Not whole wars, but battles have been fought over sites that contain salt because they knew that they needed this commodity to survive. 
Salt has been used as money, as, tra as a trade commodity. If you wanted to barter with something, we know that there's value in salt because people actually would trade for it. They would use it as a valuable commodity for them. Now, you might be here wondering, okay, I came on Baptism Sunday. You are weird. You just started with a history of salt. <laughs> Your pastor is strange. <laughs> I get that. And no, it's not just because I used to be a history teacher in the public school system, although I did, and I do get excited about that kind of stuff. But the reason I bring up salt is because today I want to focus on a passage of Scripture where Jesus is preaching a sermon on a mountainside to a whole bunch of people. He's preaching a sermon. Yes, Jesus preached. And he's preaching the sermon, and in that sermon, he makes a point about salt. And I want to read that passage, what he says about salt, because today what we're going to do is we're going to continue the sermon series that we've been in called Recalibrate. And, and we've been talking about how we need to recalibrate, we need to remeasure or relook at our lives. And what we need to do is we need to adjust our lives, what we're doing in our lives, in order to line it up with Jesus, in order to line it up with Christ. So last week we talked about our thought life. That was, a, that was a difficult one, wasn't it? Because we dug into your private life. We talked about how our thought life needs to line up with Jesus. Well, today, we're going to talk about a very another, another very significant thing, and it's a little bit more visible today. Today, we're going to talk about your influence, your relationships with other people. And we're going to talk about how to recalibrate that. So, back to the salt. So in this sermon that Jesus preached, he talked about salt. And I want to read the little portion that he preached on, and then we're going to unpack it for a few minutes. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, starting with verse 13. Again, these are Jesus' words in his sermon. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. And he's talking to you as followers of Christ. Those of you who have accepted Jesus, he's talking to you right now. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is it? Is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So Jesus compares you and I as followers of Christ. Again, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you believe Jesus died on the cross for you, rose from the grave, then what he says is you are the salt of the earth. He doesn't actually compare you to salt. He says you are salt. Now again, if you didn't understand the value of salt, maybe that would be offensive that Jesus just called you salt. But what he was saying is he was giving you a great compliment, but also a great responsibility. And that is that you are the salt of the earth. But the truth is, you might be here and you've heard that phrase. You've probably heard that phrase, the salt of the earth. You've probably heard that. You've probably heard, you know, men say, you are the salt of the earth. I've heard people say that. Kind of like you're gritty and you're strong and you're, you know. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. What does he mean when he says, you are the salt of the earth? Well, in order to answer that, we need to talk about the value of salt. I just mentioned to you historically what its value is, but let me ask you a question. Why is salt valuable? Have you ever wondered that? What is the value of salt? Why is it valuable? Why do we long for this? Why do we want this? Why do we buy this? Why do we trade for this? Why is salt valuable? Is it because it's cool to like salt? 
I've got salt, I'm cool. No. Is it because it's extremely rare? No. Although you have to dig it up, but no. The reason for salt being valuable is because it's salty. I know, it's so simplified. Some of you are like, I showed up for that today. But seriously, if you think about it, the value of salt is that it's salty. If I sprinkled this on my food and it's not salty, it's not good. Am I right? The value of salt is that it's salty. In other words, the value of salt is that it is what it is and it does what it does, what it's supposed to do. Now do you see what Jesus is saying? He's saying you're salt. You're the salt of the earth. Your value is in who you are and also in what you do, which needs to be what Jesus says. You are the salt of the earth. You have incredible value, not just because of who you are, but because of what you do. You salt other people's lives. Now, I'm not saying you have to be salty, <laughs> although I may mention that a couple of times. But in the ways of Jesus, you should be salty, absolutely. In other words, what, what Jesus is trying to say is, you and I, when we interact with people, when we have relationships with the people in this world, what Jesus is saying is, you need to add flavor, you need to add value, you have incredible value because you have the love of the Savior of the world in your life, and you need to salt it, you need to allow it out, you need to show it before everybody so they know who you are and what you do. You're the salt of the earth. In the same way, Jesus, in that same vein, it, it's no mistake that he says you are the salt and that you're also light. Did you notice that? He says you're the salt of the earth and you're the light of the world. You're the salt and you're the light. And what Jesus uses, he uses this example and he says, and I brought this over here. This is one of the things that actually went wrong. So I'm gonna go over here for a minute, okay? You see this? This lamp is supposed to be on, okay? But on the way here, I broke the light bulb. Okay. Okay. So just, just so you know, that's what went on. But let's just say, right, that I get home late at night. Okay. It's after dark. Everybody else is in bed or whatever the case is. Okay. And, and I get home. And, and so it's really dark. And I don't know about you, but if it's dark, I can't see anything. I kind of like to see where I'm going right? Because there's usually a dog that I'm going to trip on, right? At home, Daisy's usually, she loves to lay exactly where we need to go. Wherever that is, she, that's where she lays. She's like, yep, I'm in your way and I love it, right? She just looks at you like, yeah, I'm here. What are you going to do about it, right? Right? I also have a lot of Legos in my house. How many of you like stepping on Legos in the middle of the night? Yes! God's blessings are flowing, right? I'm pretty sure I'm going to be stepping on Legos today, how today this has been going, right? But the truth is, let's say I walk in, it's dark, and then I turn the lamp on so I can actually see. And then I'm like, no, no, no. Oh, my goodness. Cover the light. Would that make any sense? That I would turn on a light and then, oh, oh, wow. No, no, no. I actually don't want light. I want to just fumble around and fall over the dog and step on Legos. That's just stupid. Right? Let's turn the light on so we can cover it up. Well, that's exactly what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you are salt and light. You have to salt. You have to shine. You need to allow your life to be known by those around you that you love Jesus, that you're all in, that Jesus is everything to you, that Christ is enough, as we just sang. 
Jesus says you are salt and light to the world around you, to the people around you. But the truth is, I don't know about you, but I sometimes don't allow that to happen. I put the basket over myself. Not physically, that'd be weird, <laughs> right? If I was walking around, oh, there's my pastor. Why does he have a basket over himself? <laughs> I don't know, illustrations, <laughs> right? The truth is, though, that sometimes I do. I hide who I am, and, and there's a couple of reasons that I want to talk about why I think we do this. Because my guess is sometimes you guys do. Because it's easy to learn about this and sit in church, right? And go, yeah, we need to be salt and light. And then somebody, you, you kind of get into the real world and the working world, and you go hit your coworkers and everybody else who doesn't believe in God. They don't believe in Jesus. They want nothing to do with you or Jesus. And then now you're supposed to be salt and light to them. And my answer to that is yes. Jesus' answer to that is yes. But that's not always easy, is it? And so we put on a basket. Or we lose our saltiness. And I want to talk about a couple reasons why I think we do that. The first one, I think, is fear. I really think it's, I think it's fear. In fact, I know that that is for me. And so what do we need to do? We need to recalibrate our fear. You and I, we need to recalibrate. We need to rethink about what fear does to us. And here's what I would say. Here's, here's my struggle. Let me tell you what my struggle is. You may struggle with this. You may not. But I'm just telling you my struggle. My struggle is there's a lot of times in my life, depending on who's in front of me, some people I'm totally fine. I'm like, yeah, I'm all in Jesus. Yes, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, I'm all in. Let, let's go. Yes, I would love to have you come to our church. But then there are some people who I know want nothing to do with me or Jesus. And I have sometimes I have more fear of that person than I fear God. And what it does is it manifests itself. I'm just being honest with who I am. And sometimes it'll manifest itself in where God says, you should probably bring this up to them. I had this happen yesterday when I was getting my hair cut. And God said, I need you to bring something up. No, like we're having a safe conversation here. I just want my hair cut and then we can go. And God said, no, I need you to bring something up. Okay. So we had a conversation, had a conversation with the hairdresser. And by the end of it, I had actually invited her to Northridge. She works every Sunday and I said, well, whenever you don't, we'd love to have you. Be awesome. The truth is, though, that's where I succeeded, but there have been a lot of times where I failed. And I hide my saltiness. I hide my light because I fear the person in front of me and what they might say or how they might think of me. And what I would say is we need to recalibrate our fear and we need to understand that we need to fear God, not fear people. Because God is far elevated beyond that. And our value needs to shine through. In fact, let me tell you something else that Jesus said in that sermon. He, in that sermon where he says, you're salt and light, a few seconds, literally the very thing that he says right before that, I want to read to you what he says. What Jesus acknowledges to you and to I is he understands it's going to be hard. That people are not going to like who you are, that you're salt and light. They're going to say, I don't care what salt and light you have. I want nothing to do with it. Jesus acknowledges that out loud in his sermon. Let me read to you what he says right before he says we're salt and light. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. 
God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Listen to what Jesus now says. He says this, be happy about it. <laughs> what? That's what Jesus says in a sermon to you and I. Be happy about it. Be very glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, he's saying you are salt and light and you need to let that out. And by the way, when you do that, people are gonna not like it. They're gonna call you names. They're gonna say, how could you believe in? Everybody knows that God is a myth. I mean, we've moved on. People will tell you that, won't they? I'm sure you've probably heard that. I do. Maybe not every week, but I hear it fairly often. Hey? Okay? And the truth is that Jesus says, hey, you're going to be persecuted. And when you are, be happy about it. You know why Jesus says that? Because he says, you're being salt and you're being light and they don't like it. But that means you're doing it. This is a good deal. This is awesome. And by the way, he says at the very last line, he says, oh, and by the way, the ancient prophets, they had to deal with this too. By the way, if you think that this is new to you and like, come on, God, I can't believe they called me a, a jerk. I can't believe they called me like out of touch with reality or whatever they said. I can't believe that. And Jesus says, be happy about it. You're doing what I called you to do. And by the way, everybody else has been dealing with this too. You're not in the boat by yourself. There's a lot of people getting persecuted too. So the first thing I think that we need to recalibrate is our fear. We need to see fear differently. We need to, instead of fearing people, we need to fear God, respect God. The second thing that we need to do is we need to recalibrate our responsibility. Our responsibility. I don't know about you, uh, but our, well, let me, let me just go this route. At our church, we believe in something called the priesthood of all believers, Okay, now that is a really theological fancy term that you're going to hear in seminary. Okay, you're going to hear that all the time. And, 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 and you kind of go, okay, I've never heard that. That's just weird. What in the world does that even mean? Right? <clears throat> the priesthood of all believers. That's what we believe in here at Northridge. Okay, let me tell, explain what it means. What it means is that we believe when you give your life to Christ, when you are saved, when your sins are forgiven by Jesus, we believe that you have all connection and authority that you need to God in that moment, at that time, because you have given your life and your sins have been taken away. They've been forgiven. Okay, let me illustrate this. In the New Testament, when Jesus is on the cross and he actually passes away, when he dies, when Jesus dies on the cross, it is recorded that something happens in the temple in Jerusalem. There's this huge curtain that hangs in the temple of Jerusalem. And that curtain was there to divide the area where normal, common, everyday people could come in and worship God. But you couldn't go past this curtain. On the other side of this curtain was this holy place, this place where only the priests could go. And that curtain was a huge curtain. It wasn't like a little fraily curtain. It was this huge, massive, thick barrier. And when Jesus was hanging on the cross and he died for your sins, you know what it says happened to that curtain? It ripped from top to bottom in half. It was rent in two. The significance of that is 
that you no longer need a pastor or a priest or somebody specific to get you to God. You know who your mediator is? It's Jesus. And so what that means is that all of you are called to pastor. Maybe not on a daily basis like I do, and some of you are like just freaked out. You're like, oh man. Just got my raise at work. Unbelievable. not what I mean. Career pastor, all this stuff. Yeah, that some people are called to do this like I was called to do this. I'm not saying you're called to do this every Sunday and do what I do. But we are all called to be priests, all called to be pastors, all called to be followers. We're all called to be salt. We're all called to be light. No matter who you are, no matter how scared you are, no matter how much of the Bible you know or don't know. If you're a follower of Jesus, what Jesus says is you're in. Therefore, I'm calling you up. There are people around you who need to know me, Jesus says. So I need you to get to work on that. I need you to do that. Show them who I am. Show them what it looks like to follow me. So we need to recalibrate our responsibility. In fact, let me share you a couple of passages of scripture that tell us this. 1 Peter 2.5 says this. It says, and you are living stones. Again, talking about followers of Christ. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple, not bricks and mortar and like physical materials, but a spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. See where we get the whole holy, like royal priesthood, the whole priesthood of all believers? It's because God's word says you are. You are his holy priests through the mediation or the bridge, the connection of Jesus Christ. You offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. You know what they used to do when you, when you committed sin? What did you have to do? You had to go to the priest. The priest would slaughter an animal on your behalf, and then that animal had to be sacrificed to pay for your sins. That's no longer the case. You know why that's not? Because your mediator has already taken care of that. His name is Jesus. He's already taken care of that. He gave you the bridge. That's why we don't have temples and slaughter animals and all that stuff. It's because Jesus already took care of all that. Your sins are paid for. You simply need to accept it. And that's what Jesus is talking about there. In fact, let me give you one more. 1 Timothy 2.5 says this. It says, There is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity or God and people. The man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. Notice it does not say he came to purchase freedom for those that he likes or for those in a certain nationality or for those in a certain, you know, whatever the case is. God sent Jesus to die and to bring freedom for every single person on this planet. Now, that doesn't mean every person on the planet will actually believe in it, accept it, but Jesus did provide freedom for every person. And so we need to realize our responsibility is to be salt and light. And we can't let fear get in the way. But can I be honest with you? We, we know this is true. It's easy to listen to this. It's easy to hear this right now. Because you're surrounded by the majority of people believe what I'm saying. Right? Most of you are not here going, that is hogwash. Stupid. I've never heard such dumb things in my life. Some of you actually might in here. And that's okay. We told you it's a safe place. It is. It absolutely is. But can I tell you that 
the harder road is almost always going to be to do what's right, to be salt and light. It's almost always going to be harder. It would be easier to be hidden, wouldn't it? It'd be easier to hide the light. It'd be easier to not be salt. It'd be easier not to get into it. Okay? When your neighbor is struggling and you've seen them crying on the porch, what is easier is to look at it from there and go, man, that's like the third day in a row. I hope everything's okay. Back to the badger gate. That's way easier. But what's hard is to actually say, hey, I'm just, I've just noticed this. I just thought I'd come and ask and see if I can help. I'm willing to listen. Don't come in and offer suggestions. Uh, I think it'd be better if you sat on the bench while you cried because it, yeah. We, usually, we come in with suggestions all day. Don't come in with suggestions. Come in and sit down and just put your arm around them if they're okay with that. Or just sit down and say, hey, how can I help? Being salt and light is always going to be harder. It's going to be more uncomfortable. To influence other people is not easy. So I want to give you a practical example of that. So I'm going to, but, but I could give you all kinds of practical examples, but you need to hear from somebody else. So Jim, why don't you go, go ahead and come on up here, if you would. Everybody give Jim a hand, because he's about to share his story uh, with you. Oh, okay, eh, whatever. Matt's got it, we're good. <clears throat> so have a seat, Jim. Um, so this is one of the things that uh, also got messed up. Jim was not supposed to run sound this morning, because <laughs> I'm interviewing him in the sermon. <laughs> That's exciting, uh, but some things happened. You can be praying because uh, it affected somebody that was supposed to be running sound. Some pretty rough stuff happened in their family. So in all seriousness, you can pray for them. I'm not going to throw that out there because it's a personal thing, um, but just be willing to pray. God knows. And so Jim, thankfully, jumped in and said, sure, I'll be there at 8 <laughs> when I wasn't planning on it. So thank you, Jim. Um, so Jim, I just mentioned that, you know, Having influence, being salt and light, is not easy always. It's, it's a harder road. So take us back a few years ago. You brought this up to me, and you uh, said that something had been nagging on you, that God, you felt like God was talking to you or nagging you about uh, in a way that you needed to have influence in your own life and also in the lives of your family. Um, so would you just be willing to share what that thing was that God was like, you need to do this better? Yeah, sure. Can everybody hear me okay? Matt, you're doing a good job. <laughs> nice work. Uh, so fundamentally, um, I believe that, you know, what you do on this earth, um, it's, it's not everything, right? And how you do it is, is more of everything. And there's more to life than what you do here, right? And um, so what I wanted to do is I wanted myself and my family to have a closer relationship with God. Mm. And Brent, Brent talks about this all the time on Sundays, and he says, um, you know, you got to put forth a little bit of effort if you want to have that closer relationship with God, right? Um, and so, you know that old adage, you get out what you put into it? Well, <laughs> I wasn't putting a lot into it. And so I figured, well, one way that I can do that is I can start praying more. Yeah. Um, I didn't say pray every day. I didn't say pray like all the time. I just, it, it was one simple goal, and that was just to pray a little more. 
And that's what I did. Mm. Jim, and I, I love that. As we were talking about, I didn't think that, I didn't know that that was his goal, actually, until I started talking to him about maybe sharing this Sunday. And, um, and I think what's cool about that is sometimes we make things so complicated and we kind of go like, I've never opened God's word. I've ne- Some of you maybe, I've never read the Bible. And so we're like, okay, you know, we talked about this. I need to get into God's word. And so I'm going to read the Bible for an hour every single day from now on. <laughs> and you've never opened it before. Like, good for you. That's awesome. I don't know how that's going to work. <laughs> right? And so just, I need to pray more. So I love that. So, Jim, we talked about this, and, and when you brought this up, one thing that we also talked about a couple of different times, I think, and this was a, a while ago, a few years ago, um, and uh, there were some barriers to you doing this. It wasn't just simple like, I need to pray more. Okay, right? There were some barriers to that. Tell us what those barriers were and maybe how you broke through those barriers. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, first off, I had every reason in the book to, not to pray. Um, my kids are busy, I'm busy, I got work, uh, you know, family. There's lots of reasons, and I came up with every single one in the book. Mm. So I had to sort of disregard that. Um, but when, it, when I thought about it, when Brent asked me to do this, it kind of boiled down to three main things. One was um, the definition of what, a, what prayer meant to me. Uh, in order to understand that, you have to understand that um, I grew up in a Catholic environment. So I went to church every Sunday. Um, I went to Catholic school, kindergarten through eighth grade. Um, I knew about God, so I'm thankful for that. And my parents introduced God to me at a very young age. Um, we didn't pray a lot at home, um, but at the same time, we prayed at school a lot. Uh, and, and so for me, it was, you know, a collection of words and sentences and, and memorized terms that was my definition of prayer. And so for me, it didn't, I didn't have that feeling for it. I didn't, um, I said it, I, to this day I could, I, I memorized those prayers, um, but I didn't feel it. And, and it wasn't until I started coming to Northridge where you know, Brent was explaining, you know, in order to have a, a relationship with God, you just have to just talk to God. Talk to God like he's your friend. Talk to God like he's a family member. Um, and, it, and I didn't, and I struggled with that, which brings me to my second obstacle, which was, you know, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to say it. It was com- uncomfortable. It was awkward. Um, it, there was a, an element of fear there. Mm-hmm. Um, this perception of whoever's listening, you know, what are they going to think of me when I stumble over the words or whatever? And... <laughs> Perfect example of that is, you know, I started to do it, and I did it with my family, of course, and um, my kids laughed at me. (laughs) And uh, they said, yeah, you're not really good at this. (laughs) Brent's a lot better. And I said, yeah, yes, (laughs) but I'm working on it. Um, And and so I I sort of went through those struggles, but I, I kept doing it. Um, the other thing that I did is, is I sort of listened to how other people pray um, and tried to understand, you know, what the, what the framework is, how you do it, what, how you go about doing it. So now I, I pray and I, I'm, I say that I'm thankful for whatever it is that I'm thankful for that day, and then I pray for whoever it is that I want to pray that day. Hmm. And then 
the third obstacle that I had was, was more around time. You know, um, I didn't put forth the time. And, and like Brent said, it's, you know, I, I come here on Sunday and it's easier to sit there and, and say, yep, I need to do that more. But as soon as you walk away from here, it's another thing to actually do it. And so one of the ways that I did that is I just, because before I would always pray when something bad happened, I was trying to, instead of doing it that way, I wanted to give thanks more every day or every other day or whatever it was um, for things that were going well in my life. So mm -hmm. I wanted to be more thankful. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, that's, that was one of my ways to implement prayer more on a, on a regular daily, maybe not daily. Um, sorry, God, it's not daily. Uh, but on a regular basis. Now um, you know my world, because yeah. I have to say things out loud yeah. all the time. <laughs> um, so that was one way. And then the second way was, um, you know, previously I would always, you know, I would tell people that I would pray for them. Mm. But they were empty promises. I never did. Mm. And so... Now, I actually do that. I pray for people when I tell them I'm going to pray for them. And, and that's been good. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Isn't that good? Awesome. <laughs> Again, influence, salt and light. So uh, one more question, Jim, and we just got a couple minutes. So um, what has the result been? You kind of shared actually at the end there about praying for people. So that's one actually. So you kind of already answered this question a little bit. But uh, what, was, what has been the result or the blessing that has come out of this fact that you've kind of focused more, I need to have more influence in my prayer life um, with my family and with myself? What, what has been the results or the blessings of that? Well, for one, my kids don't laugh at me anymore. <laughs> so that's good. Good job, guys. Um, <laughs> Uh, secondly, uh, I've, I've taken a more active role in um, praying with not just my family, um, uh, and and what they what they do is because we do it a little bit more. They actually bring up, you know, maybe we should pray, you know. So it's not just me bringing it up all the time. It's my kids that are bringing it up all the time, which is super cool. Mm. In fact, a good example of this is, um, you know, we just we all go through September 11th and relive those tragic days, that, that tragic day uh, every year. And um, my youngest daughter's in fourth grade, and uh, they were teaching her all about September 11th and the tragedy, and she came home and she said, Dad, I want to pray for everybody involved in September 11th. I said, that's great. Let's do that. So we did. So that was cool. Yeah, that was awesome. I can't um, talk yet. You got to keep going. <laughs> um, and then, uh, so then now, apparently, <laughs> I'm I'm the prayer ambassador for my immediate family because um, I get we get together with them every year uh, at Thanksgiving, and uh, and they ask me to pray before the meal. It's awesome. <laughs> and then uh, I I prayed um, for my parents' fiftieth wedding anniversary. And now I'm, I was asked to officiate my niece's wedding in South Carolina. <laughs> so It's not going to be long before he's preaching up here, obviously. I'm just planning on sitting in a recliner. That's, 
I just didn't want to tell you that, but Jim, you're in. <laughs> I'll see you later. <laughs> yeah. So that, that, that's, how, that's how things evolved. <laughs> Jim, thank you. Give him a hand. Thank you so much. So you can see that having, being salt and light is not always easy. You're going to be laughed at. Sometimes by your own children. <laughs> Jim, don't worry. I get laughed at by my own children about various things as well, including spiritual things. You're going to be made fun of. People are going to not invite you because they're going to think that you're a Jesus fanatic. It's going to happen. And you need to be glad about it. As Jesus says. So today is awesome. Because today we get to see six different people who are taking this to the next level. We're, we're going to have six people who today are going to go public with their faith. They're, gonna, they're, they're all in. And they are putting what we just talked about into practice. They are willing to stand and be in front of you and share their story on a video, which you're going to hear in just a minute, and share with you how they need to be salt and light. Because their life has been changed. And they had to step out of their comfort zone, just like you need to step out of your comfort zone to be salt and light. All of us do. We're all maybe different comfort level boxes. That's understandable. But we all have to step out of it to be salt and light. And so today, as we are going to do our baptisms, here's what we're doing. Because a lot of you may, maybe you're here and you've seen infant baptisms, or maybe you've seen other types or, or other versions of this. And, and this is like full immersion. We dunk them. They come up. There's not like, we're not sure if they get wet. No, they're soaked. Right? This is called full immersion deal. Okay? And so you might be wondering, why do we do this? Well, we do this because Jesus did this. He himself got baptized, and he also told us that we're supposed to do this. We, we have to do this. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we're going to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, because Jesus told us to. But we're also going to do a physical, visible representation of a very specific verse. And I want to share with you that verse. This is what it says, 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. So what you're about to see is a physical representation of this exact verse. They're going to stand in front of you in their normal clothes, like they normally do. That signifies their old life before Jesus. And then we're going to dunk them under, and there's this cool moment, and I've talked to every, all six of them, and so they know this, but as they go under, there's this cool moment where the water washes over from both directions, and it, it just literally washes over every part of who they are. And that signifies the washing away, the forgiveness that is given, the purifying of your sins because of Jesus. Again, it doesn't happen with the water. It happens because of what Jesus has done for you. And then when they come up, they look a little bit different than they did a few seconds before. That signifies the new life, the new person in Christ. It's an amazing thing. This is one of the best things that Jesus has ever given us to do, one of our responsibilities. And so we're going to do that today. 
So here's, uh, here's what we're going to do. This is how this is going to go. But this is the first time, by the way, that we've ever done baptisms inside. Uh, in fact, this baptistry is made to be inside. So when we take it outside, that's actually where it's weird. Inside is where it's supposed to be. <laughs> okay, so we're just, it's weird to us because we've always done it outside, right? And a lot of people thought we were going to cannonball off the crane. When you guys, you see that? And a lot of you asked me, no, we're not going to do that. That would be dangerous, all right? It'd be cool, but we're not going to do that, right? So what we're going to do is, is, is we're going to watch a video with all the testimonies. It's basically just their, their stories and their words. Then we're going to baptize the three people that are getting baptized after the service today, and then we baptize three more after second service, okay? And so we're going to do that. But before we do all that, we're going to watch the video. Then we're going to have all the kids come in because they need to see this. This is a big deal, right? They're all going to, and they're going to, this is why we have less chairs up here. We're going to cram a bunch of kids in here. I'm sure nothing bad's going to happen with the sound equipment. I'm sure it's going to work great, right? We're going to bring all the kids in here, and they're going to watch, and then we're going to baptize, and then we'll pray. And I'm going to send the kids back out first so parents, you can pick them up from your classes because that's the most secure way to do it. We don't want kids just running to whoever, okay? So with that, let's go ahead and take a look at the video testimonies. These are the stories uh, from the people in their own words why they're getting baptized today. So enjoy this, and then we're going we're gonna to get wet. All right, take a look. I'm Juan Foy. I've been attending uh, Northridge for three or four years. I actually was uh, baptized in infancy. Uh, that was the, uh, the faith journey that I was on at that time. Uh, a number of years ago, I had an opportunity to be a part of a Bible study led by a, a very learned Christian man. And he did a discussion around the significance of the immersion baptism in it being a decision that is made, thought about, prayed about, and what have you. And I'm finally to the point where I want to make that decision. I'm Peyton Maxson, and I'm being baptized today because I accepted Christ about a year ago. And um, it's just amazing how on an every day-to-day -day basis, you know, seeing Him guide every step of my day and just hearing from Him all the time is just amazing. And, you know... Even when I'm at the lowest points of my life, like when I almost lost my mom and just him even comforting me then. And, you know, that was a whole 10 years ago. And, you know, still when I'm at my low points, like I was in a pretty unhealthy relationship and he was always there praying, you know, all the time. And just being able to hear from him is insane. And, you know, he's always there and it just it's insane and I just feel like this is a next step in my journey okay I'm Kaylee Bovey and I'm getting baptized today I've accepted Christ a couple years ago and I just thought that today was the day to do it I guess hi my name is Bill Jones and I've given my life to the Lord uh, I'm going to say probably many, many years ago, but in my lifetime, I don't think that I really understood the, the prospect or the meaning of baptism. I was baptized, I believe, when I was 12 or 13 years old in a river with uh, many of our church people, and I 
at that time, I don't really think I knew what was, what was going on. So I, you know, I went along with the crowd. Now it's like, this is the time for me to really, really start my life and give my heart and soul to God. And I want everyone to know that God is everything in my life and always will be. And I hope that you will see that God is great through me. Hi, my name is Bryson Wills, and I'm getting baptized because um, I gave my life to Christ when I was at um, Bible camp, and I know that getting baptized is the next step. All right, my name is Greg. I uh, accepted Christ just a few weeks ago, actually. Um, I've always kind of had this nagging sort of feeling, like tapping on my shoulder, like for maybe the last year, year and a half. Um, and then when I watched the last baptisms last year, it really I think, became more evident that that was something that I needed to do. And uh, I made a phone call and talked to Brent, and here I am.